Let us unite our hearts in prayer. We have a response saying, God of resurrection, hear our prayer. For the church throughout the world, that all who profess to honor the risen Lord may be faithful in their witness and courageous in their testimony to the way of Jesus, God of resurrection. For pastors, teachers, and ministers, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they may seek to build the church upon Christ, the cornerstone, cornerstone, and humbly lead in faithful service, God of resurrection. For the governments of the world and its leaders, that the nations may dwell in peace, that good will prevail over strife, and people of faith may freely worship as their hearts direct, God of resurrection. For rain and sun in proper measure, and for an abundant food and water for all who dwell upon the earth, God of resurrection. For the sick and those in need, and for any who are oppressed by wounds of the soul, God of resurrection. For our neighbors, that we may live together in amity, and that strangers among us may find us to be hospitable friends, God of resurrection. For our enemies, that their sins may be forgiven them, and that they may find your peace, God of resurrection. Almighty God, your Son promised to grant whatever we ask in his name. By your Holy Spirit, empower us to minister to the world as his faithful disciples, that our work may testify to what we pray and show forth your eternal glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us this morning. Thank you for being here. Um, we continue in the John passages for the Easter type uh, season. I think this is fifth week, fourth week. I should know. I made the liturgy, but I I don't remember. Five. Okay, so there's one more I think, and then um, and then well, I guess two more, and then uh, Ascension Sunday, and then we're done with the Easter type season. But for the for last week we were in John. 10, 9, 10, 11, where Jesus was talking about being the good shepherd. For this week, we're going to be a little bit in John 13 and then in John 14, which is really where, where the, the, the verse is. But I want us to start in John 13 before we get to actually today's verse, because I think this is a really interesting context. And if you're reading the actual passage, you'll see if you have like an old school Bible, it has red letters. And it starts with that, do not be troubled. But the reason why there's letters there is because Jesus is speaking and there's actually... He starts speaking a little bit before. So this particular passage in the lectionary actually cuts off Jesus' discourse a little bit from before. So I actually want us to pick it up before there. And you'll find something interesting because Jesus is about to speak to Judas. And he's about to tell Judas and then Peter that both are going to, well, Judas betray him and Peter deny him. And that is how Jesus kind of starts the context for this specific passage. So John 13, verse 31 reads, As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, Sorry, I realized I forgot my glasses, and I'm like having to bring up them. (laughs) Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you, will, but you can't come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. 
Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would, you would have known who my Father is from now on. You do know him, and you have seen the Father. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I find this interesting that this is the passage that we're, that we're uh, talking about resurrection, about, in the Easter time, which is about resurrection, because so much about this passage is actually about death, isn't it? It is Jesus announcing to them, I have very little time left before my time here is gone. And this idea of like living in the in-between and being in the in-between reminds me so much of some of the work that I do maybe with my students at the college. Some of them are seniors that right now they either have already PhD programs that they have secured or master's programs, so they already have jobs making really good money. But don't talk to them about graduating because their hearts get troubled. <laughs> and some of them don't have the job or the program or the whatever, also don't talk to them about graduating because their hearts get troubled, even though graduation is three weeks away. There is this idea of sometimes the idea of like sunsetting, the idea of a project ending can be quite troubling, isn't it? Yeah. It could be maybe you're writing a book or you're, you're painting a, a piece of art or you're in a project and, and you're about to finish it and the idea of finishing it is troubling. I watched this documentary once in, on Netflix, I think, of a group of guys that go from, uh, from the northern, sorry, the border of Mexico, and they follow the Pacific Crest Trail, they, they walk it all the way up to Canada. So it is the whole, the whole you know, continental US, from Mexico all the way to Canada. And there was this one guy in the group 
a few yards away from the border with Canada, he couldn't do it. He walked from Mexico all the way to Canada, and he couldn't cross the border. He couldn't finish it. He was troubled by this idea of finishing this project, and he felt like he wasn't ready, so he wanted to leave it undone. There, there is this like tension that comes when you know what something's gonna happen, but it hasn't happened yet. In my life, I've been living it quite a bit with my mom. Most of you know mom got diagnosed with early dementia a few years ago. And there's this like, the, the sunset is there, right? The diagnosis is there. We know what that is like, but it's not there yet. Yeah. It's in between. And there's this troubling, something that's familiar to a lot of us. This idea that at the end, something will sunset, but we're not there yet, and our hearts are already troubled. And something really interesting happens. Even though the sunset hasn't happened, you start suffering already on behalf of the future. So that future suffering becomes real, but only because you made it real. Right? Often the suffering that we experience is future suffering that we're ideating into creation. It is not real suffering yet. And Jesus says to them, I'm not there yet, so don't let your hearts be troubled. You will deny me. One of you will betray me. And my time here with you is actually coming down to the end, but don't let your hearts be troubled. It hasn't happened yet. When suffering comes on our way, don't let your hearts be troubled. When that call and that diagnosis comes your way, don't let your hearts be troubled. When that project is coming to an end, don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus says, if you believe in God, also believe in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And I think to a certain extent, there's nothing new about that, right? Like if you're suffering, stop it. That's kind of like what Jesus is saying. But he doesn't, he doesn't leave it there. Yeah. He says, don't get comfortable with the suffering that you're going through right now. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he does something really interesting that I just love. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Look at where he goes. He appeals to home. There is more than enough room at my father's home. This is why when suffering comes our way, we don't let our hearts be troubled. It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that we're not struggling. But we don't let our hearts be troubled because Jesus is telling us there is room for you in my father's home. When that diagnosis comes, don't let your hearts be troubled. You are home. When that phone call comes, don't let your heart be troubled. You are home. When that relationship ends, don't let your heart be troubled. You are home. You are home. Jesus is saying, where I'm going, I there is room for you in my Father's home. And I think there is so much about this idea of, Am I smart enough to belong? Am I good enough to be here? Do I deserve God's love and God's goodness? Am I good enough of a disciple? Is my heart troubled? And Jesus says, you are home. You are home. You belong in my father's home. 
You belong in my father's family. And when things get hard, you're already in. I've been watching the series Drive to Survive on Netflix. I don't know if anyone has seen it, Formula One. I did not know anything about Formula One prior to this series. And now I'm like checking results for this current season. It's weird. Anyways. Um, it's a racing. It's like NASCAR, but like international. Uh, but different. Not, not the NASCAR, but. Way faster cars. Way faster cars. Anyways, what, what, I, what I found interesting about it is that often you see these amazing drivers who are professionals with these amazing cars that are driving you know, 300 kilometers per hour, like super fast. But then they, have, they make a mistake and they slip up. Or they come in fourth or fifth or sixth place, even though they have been winning previous races. And that self-doubt creeps in. And they have such a hard time winning. They have the skills, they have the experience, they might even have the championship, and they have the perfect car to win. But they doubt themselves. And all they need is that first question to open up in their hearts and in their minds, and you will see them. And you hear what they're saying, that negative talk, that I don't think I can do this, the car's not good, the car's not good. And I'm like, I'm, I know nothing about this, right? Nothing. But I'm thinking, you just won a championship with the same car last week. Like, what are you talking about? The car's not good. It's the same car. But in their hearts, that idea of, I no longer belong. I'm not good enough. I cannot do this. Starts creeping in. And sometimes, for the rest of the season, they won't perform anymore. anymore. And it's all because of this question of do I belong? Am I good enough? Can I actually do this? We walk through so much of our life with this question. Do I belong? Does God love me? Am I good enough? Am I trying hard enough? And not only is the question, am I good enough? But then the question is, am I doing enough good? And we see it in verse 3. Verse 2 says, there is more, more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be where I am. Jesus is saying, I am doing the work of preparing the house. You don't have to do it. I am coming for you so that you are with me. And then I love Thomas's question. Um, uh, verse 4, and you, know the, and you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. This is one of the most interesting ironies of Christian life, isn't it? Jesus is saying... When you are having a hard time, don't let your hearts be troubled. There is enough, there's enough room for you in my father's house. You already know how to get there. And what does Thomas say? No, wait, what's, what's the GPS again for that? What's the address? True. Jesus is saying, I'm going to come and get you. And you're going to dwell with me in my father's home. And we say, oh, but let me show you that I'm worthy enough to earn it. Let me show you that I deserve my place in my father's home. 
And we build whole systems where we start worshiping the steps of the way instead of worshiping the person that is the way. And, and, and it can be things like, it, it's, it's so insidious, but it can be little things like we, we, we decide that we have to attend a church service every single week and that this is the only way. We, we decide that our, our life is going to look in this way or that way, and any deviation from that is not going to be serving the way. It can be even more insidious than that. It can be this perfectionism, this idea that you're supposed to be perfect in everything that you do. Or this idea that you're not supposed to have boundaries as you're helping other people, and you're always saying yes, 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 at the expense of your own health and spiritual life. That's, that's the worship of the system instead of worshiping of the way. It is present everywhere. It is present when you put other people above yourself and above your needs without taking into account where you really are. It is, it is part of purity culture. A lot of us grew up with purity culture as teenagers and a lot of us are currently dealing with this idea of purity culture. It is this idea that you have to have this perfect ideology that has to match another person's ideology. Why? I don't know, because they said that it has to be, so that's the way. And Jesus is saying to us, I am coming, and I am bringing you into my Father's home. This, is, this has to be one of the most radical assertions that Jesus makes. Jesus tells um, Thomas, I am the way. It's not your system. It's not your ideology. It is not what you do every single day. It is not how good you are. It is not how pure you are. It is not how much you study. I am the way. It's me. It's Jesus. It's not the systems that we build around it, but it is the person of Jesus. And there's something really hard here, right? Because I, it's too easy. It's just too easy. I want it to be harder. Sometimes we, as part of this system that we have created, we're, we're addicted to this feeling of guilt. And we want to feel guilty in the process, otherwise we, we think it doesn't count. We want it to be hard, even though sometimes it just doesn't. It's grace. It's free. It's accessible. It's ready for you to take. Jesus says, it's me, I, I am the way. And then later on in, in verse 9 and 10, he says, I think what I didn't want Jesus to say. He says, I am the way, so do the things that I did. I, that's the hardest piece, right? I want to believe the things that Jesus believed. That's easy. I want to worship the way Jesus worshiped. That's easy. But he says, I am the way. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Do you, do you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own. But my Father who lives in me does his works through me. Just because, sorry, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works. 
That's what's hard. Touching the untouchables. Including the outcasts. Loving the people that drive you insane. Feeding the hungry. Clothing the naked. Loving people who think very differently than you do. And making space for all of God's people. That's the things that Jesus was doing. He was just there at that very second, hanging out with a dude that was about to betray him for 31 pieces of silver, and a guy who was going to deny him. And then later on, he was going to build his ministry on this same denial. Jesus was loving everyone, even people who would eventually not do it all right. I think what I love about this passage is that it is constantly asking us to reflect on this question of do I belong? And I love that Jesus makes this claim to the Father's home. And as we're looking and living on this Easter tide and, and resurrection season, one of the most important things for us to understand is that salvation is our ability to realize that we are home now. That salvation is not just in the future, but salvation is now. Salvation is you waking up to the reality that you are in your Father's home now. That you belong. That you're loved. That God has pursued you. That God has called you in. That God has accepted you. Salvation is waking up to the reality that you're in and that there is no doubt. Imagine the effect that this would have in our lives if every day and every moment we're aware that we're in. Imagine that feeling of home, wherever that is for you, your current house, maybe your, your, your mother's home, your, your dad's home, your uncles, your grandparents, whatever that, like the smell, the noises, the, the, the feelings, the sensations, the image of comfort, of safety, of protection. That's where you are all the time. You're home. God has invited you in through Jesus. You're home. And the beauty of that is that although it sounds counterproductive, the beauty of it is that when you come to accept that you're home, then you start doing the works of Jesus, not the other way around. And see, this is what we miss about Jesus. Jesus did the things he did because he was in his father already, and his father was in him. So the healing that he does, the including the outcasts that he does, the bringing in the poor that he does, it is an outward expression of him being in his father's home already. And that is what God wants for us as well. The works that he's doing, they emanate from an acceptance of our place being at home with the Father. In this reality, this is what salvation is about. It's about you realizing that you belong. And letting all those fears and all that doubt and all those insecurities melt away. Because Jesus says, you belong. You're home.
You're here. You made it. Will you join me in prayer? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are so much like the disciples. You're telling us that we're home. You're telling us that you have a place for us and we ask, what do I have to do to get there? So Father, we confess that we struggle to accept the reality of living in your presence. And that might be the biggest challenge for a lot of us. So this morning, God, we want to surrender ourselves into your presence. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters that are here could live into the reality that they are home every single day and every single second. When they're driving back to their houses, they're home. When they're putting the kids to bed and, and getting ready for the next day, they're home. I pray, God, that we will realize that tomorrow morning as we're getting ready for school and work and everything else we're doing, that we are home. That when the phone call comes and the diagnosis comes and the end of an era comes, that we will realize that we are home. That when the bad news comes, that our hearts are not troubled because we're home. We're with you. So Father, we want to surrender ourselves to your indwelling presence so that we may live in you and you may live in us and we may, might accordingly live out the works that you want us to live. Not out of guilt, not out of shame, not out of necessity, but because of your indwelling presence in us. Father, let that be a reminder this week. Every single day, will you remind my brothers and sisters that they're home, that they belong, that they're in, that God has claimed them as their own. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me invite you to come get the kids, to go get the kids, and then let's worship through song and through communion. Communion is yet again another perfect way in which we can practice this presence of God in our lives. You're home. Come join us and partake of the table of grace.